Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Maybe that song was for you today. Maybe that song of come as you are, all who have wandered, all who have felt burdened, you are welcome here. And that's not a People of Hope Church welcome as much as it is. I hope you sense the welcome of heaven this morning, that you are not too far, that you in your weakness and in your wandering, you have not cut yourself off from the love and grace of God. And his arms are open wide for you this morning. What a great song. This morning we are continuing in our series called Details. It's a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And let me kind of recap where we were last week as we got started. We, we saw these first few verses in Matthew chapter 5, um, verse 1. And when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them. So you, here you have Jesus up on the side of a mountain on, among the rocks with the people sitting around him. And those who've come to listen at this point are those who believe in Jesus as Lord. Those who are already bought in to Jesus as God's son, as the Savior. They are following him. This is not just limited to the 12. Um, this is a, a larger group of people who are already convinced of who Jesus is. And he begins to teach them. He begins to call them to radical discipleship. He wants them to love God more deeply. He wants them to be more free in their grace. He wants them to understand how he wants them to live. And that's why we've entitled this series, The Details, because Jesus is going to unpack in this series all sorts of things, everything from anger to lust to money to prayer to revenge and all kinds of things. He's going to give us the details of how he wants us to live in the circumstances of life here on earth. And so now we find ourselves also believers in Jesus Listening closely to him in this sermon, Lord, teach us, how do you want us to live? Coming today to verse 4, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Today's focus is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And if you'll look at this, this next slide here, you're going to see that, that this verse is broken down in several parts. We'll take a second and reacquaint ourselves with what it means to be blessed and what Jesus is saying there. Then we'll talk about who are those who mourn and what really is mourning. And then we'll spend a little bit of time talking about what it means to be comforted. That's kind of how we're going to unpack it today. So let's revisit the idea of blessed. How is it that Jesus can say to someone like he did last week, blessed if you're poor in spirit or blessed if you are one who mourns? The idea of being blessed is Jesus is saying you are absolutely set you should be happy. You have got it made. Man, it is good to be you. You're in the right place. You're in a good posture, a good position if you are poor in spirit. You are blessed. You should be happy. You've got it made. Man, is it good to be you if you are mourning? Because you are positioned and ready to receive something amazing and something powerful. You're going to receive comfort. Blessed is this idea of God's congratulations, that you are 
are ready. You've got it made. You're all set. So what is mourning? Here's a little definition of mourning for us this morning. Um, Mourning is to experience internal sorrow when contemplating loss or regret. Experiencing internal sorrow when contemplating loss or regret. And you may be thinking someone who's mourning, well, why is it this about tears? Because tears are the external expression of the internal ache. Mourning is an internal thing. As a matter of fact, last Sunday, Jesus was talking about an internal thing, being poor in spirit, getting to the place of saying, I can't. Boy, then you're ready. Then you've got it made. Then you're all set because now you're ready to receive the kingdom of heaven, which is the understanding that God can. Get to the point of I can't so that you can say God can. And mourning is also an internal thing. It is the internal sorrow when contemplating loss or regret. The absence of a loved one in your life does not equal mourning. It is when you think back on that one. It is when you reflect on that one. It is when you then that you feel the loss. And you feel it outwardly a little bit, but you experience it most genuinely, most authentically, most deeply, as an internal sorrow. And believe it or not, Jesus says, blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Let's talk about comfort here for a moment. What is it to be comforted? To be comforted is to experience immediate or final relief from mourning, that internal sorrow, to experience relief from that, to, 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 to experience some kind of intermediate relief or some final relief. Now, those two things, intermediate relief and final relief, we're going to talk about at length today because there are different kinds of mournings that we experience and there's different kinds of relief that we experience. There's different kinds of comfort. When I was young, I used to like to ride my bike all around the neighborhood, but that wasn't just enough for me. Me and my friends, we like to build ramps and jump off the ramps on our bikes. And we were not the best engineers in the world. Sometimes it took us two or three times to figure out the best ramp. And then the person with the most courage was the one who was the ramp tester. And that didn't always go well for them. And sometimes that was my turn or my idea. Oh, this is totally going to work this time. We're going to find these three logs and then put a piece of plywood on them. And no, the logs aren't going to roll. But of course, guess what? They rolled. And you go over them on your bike. You catch a little bit of air. And you, you really just tumble. And inevitably, when you're riding your bike and you're jumping, off of ramps, you're going to end up with some scrapes and burns and some skinned knees. Anybody had that experience before where you've been on a bike and come off and you've just kind of got one of those big old cherry spots on your knee that's got to be addressed? And when I was little and I would run into the house after that had happened, in my mind, I wasn't sure if I was going to die. But my mom would come and she would comfort me, and most often than not, if I could talk her out of spraying this little spray on me, I was going to be okay. But she would come and she would get a cold washcloth, 
and, and, or with cold water on it. And it would be this wet washcloth that was cold, and she would press that up against my knee that was all red and skint, and the outer layer of skin was gone. It was back on the concrete. Uh, she would press that cold, wet washcloth, and I would have the experience of intermediate relief. The throb, the pain, the hurt, the panic was... <sighs> but I would not experience final relief from that wound until it was healed. So in the idea of comfort, to be comforted is to experience some intermediate or final relief from mourning, from that internal sorrow. There's going to be intermediate Relief and comfort that Jesus brings into our life while we are here on earth. But there will not be final release for our mourning until we are healed. Until we are with him. These are the ideas that Jesus is expressing here in this verse. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning is you do not have to wait for heaven to be comforted for the mourning in your heart. You do not have to wait for heaven. There is both intermediate and final comfort for all who mourn. So we're going to dig in today and really try to understand four types of mourning, including in the meaning of this verse. If you do a language study, if you unpack this and look at what Jesus is talking about, he's not just talking about the external things of mourning because you miss someone who's gone on to be with the Lord. He is talking to believers about this internal sorrow, and it's really connected to much more than just loss. But let's start there. Four types of mourning that Jesus is referring to. Four types of mourning included in the meaning of the, this verse. Number one, it's the loss of a loved one through death. This is the sorrow that comes in remembering and being aware of the absence. And if someone around you has experienced a loss of a loved one, please don't ever expect them to get over it because they never get over it. They only are able to fold it into their lives. The loss gets folded in and it becomes a part of their story. But those wounds, although they might experience some intermediate comfort, those wounds will not be fully comforted until they are healed in heaven. The loss of a loved one is one that you never truly get over. As believers, we are encouraged and called to grieve with hope of comfort. Well, let's talk about immediate, intermediate comfort, that, that cold, wet washcloth on a skint knee, that like coming at it before it's fully healed. For those who've experienced a loss of a loved one, you can experience the intermediate comfort of love from your Christian community. You can experience the sweetness of treasured memories, and you can, can walk forward in victory of just doing every day in the new normal. And someone who's lost a loved one, that is a fight, and that is a battle to do today in the new normal with that loss. Again, never getting over it, folding it into the story of their life. 
But what about final comfort? Here's the great news. The Word of God promises that we are not to grieve as the rest of the world grieves, but we are to grieve with hope because final comfort, ultimate comfort will come because we will one day be reunited with those who've gone on before in the Lord. There's a reunion coming. You can read all about this in 1 Thessalonians 4. There is, when the day of the Lord happens, we will be reunited with those who have gone on before us in Christ. And so heaven will have the Lamb, and heaven will have the angelic beings, and heaven will have all of the glory of God, and heaven will have the things and the mansions and the places that, and the rewards that God has prepared for his people. But it will also have lots of beautiful hugs and reunions of people who were separated for a time. And there you and I will witness in heaven and we will experience in heaven hugging that grandmother who's been gone for a while, hugging that loved one. We'll witness and we'll experience the comfort that is the final completed healing. So how can Jesus say that if you've lost a loved one through death, you are blessed? Think, think deeply about this. He can say we are blessed because we know the crushing blow of death. Death that entered this world only because of sin. And therefore, if we're in a position of mourning the loss of a loved one, congratulations, you should be happy. You've got it made. You're right where you need to be. Man, it's good to be you because now the cross means something powerful for you on a daily basis. It is the hope of a reunion in heaven only possible through Jesus. Death is not the end. Hallelujah. Death is not final. Hallelujah. And that is only because of what Jesus has done. And if you're mourning, Jesus says, because you've lost one that you love, you're blessed because you can understand the grace of God on a daily basis and you can appreciate what Jesus has made possible that becomes an absolute daily dose of hope in your hurting heart. Second type of mourning in this verse is disappointment with specific outcomes in life. Disappointment with specific outcomes in life. Let me give you some ideas. Maybe you are of a certain age right now and you reflect on a path that you did not take but you could have taken. And maybe there's a little grief for that. I had the opportunity to do X, but I chose to do Y. I had the opportunity at one point to go down the road of, of, of doing A, but I chose for whatever reason to do B. And sometimes I sit and I reflect and I grieve a little bit that I did not choose this other path. It's an, un, an unexplored opportunity 
Maybe it's a friendship in your life that's faded. Maybe it was a, a high school best friend or a college roommate or somebody that you were tracking with so closely for so many years and for whatever reason, that, that friendship just faded. You guys have that experience where friendships just fade in your life? Nothing happened, nobody got mad, things just kind of faded a little bit and on an occasion, you think about that outcome and it makes your heart inwardly sorrowful. It causes mourning. I miss them. I miss that friendship. I miss that companionship. I miss laughing and being, being with them. Maybe it's the outcome of a choice that you made that led to some pain. I made a choice at one point to enter into a partnership and it didn't work out. I made a choice to, to start a business and it didn't work out. I made a choice to enter into a marriage and it didn't work. Maybe some of these outcomes upon reflection stir up mourning and sorrow. Maybe another outcome is that you're sitting here this morning thinking about and grieving over the script you had all planned out for your life. But it went a different way. God, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to do that, and it's going to be awesome, it's going to be perfect, and then I'm going to be happy and healthy and wealthy and all these kind of things, and it's just going to be up and to the right, and then life intervened, and the outcome from your last decade or last two decades or last three decades is nowhere near the script you had planned. And in quiet moments of reflection, you mourn. And you grieve because you thought it was going to go a certain way. Mourning these outcomes is something that we all experience. There will be final comfort for us who believe in Jesus because one day we will see the complete plan of God. Listen, I'm telling you, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is calling you to radical trust, radical faith, radical discipleship. One day, each of us who believes in Jesus will see it, will get it, will see the complete plan of God and how this thing that didn't happen would happen for a reason. And this thing that did happen happened for a reason. And God, who is all-powerful and sovereign, has all the time always been working all of these things in our lives and your lives and together all these lives together for good we will see the ultimate overall plan of God and we'll be glad you may think how can you say that I'm mourning this lost opportunity. I'm mourning that my life went off the rails, off the script. I'm mourning that this person's no longer in my life. I'm mourning that this thing didn't work. I'm mourning that I didn't go after what I should have gone after when I was 21. I'm mourning. I'm, how can you tell me that someday I'm going to be glad? Because you and I will see what God was up to. But until then, we have no idea what he's up to. And Jesus looks out to all of us today. It says, if you're mourning, 
specific outcomes in your life. It's good to be you. Because now you are positioned to trust God. Not because you see it, but you trust that he sees it. Now you're in a position to trust God. That everything that happens and everything that doesn't come through is connected to his purposes. I applied, but I didn't get in. I tried this, but it didn't work. I walked down this road, and it was really rough, and it was a disaster. Why, 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 why? If you're in that morning of why, why are they no longer with me? Why did this happen? Why did I not go that way? Why am I in the place I am now? You are set up beautifully. You're blessed because you can trust God. You're ready to trust that he has a purpose. One day, you're going to receive final comfort. And there's going to be the loudest collective gathering of people going, Oh! <laughs> That's why that needed to happen. Oh, thank you, God. Because <laughs> now I see that that happened, so this could happen, so that could happen. Oh, Thank you, God. Radical discipleship in the Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are you who mourn over certain outcomes in your life. For one day you will see the plan of God and you will actually be glad. You will be comforted. There's a third type of mourning that's implied here in this verse. And it's grieving over the evil that grips this world. Grieving, internal sorrow over the evil that grips this world. Jesus is there on the mountainside and people are gathered around sitting and leaning against rocks and they're listening to him overlooking the Sea of Galilee. It's this beautiful, picturesque place. And Jesus says to this group gathered around him, these people who love him and believe in him, he looks at them in the eye and he says, blessed are those who mourn. And when he said the word mourn, for some of them, what they were thinking about is, I long for this world to be different because there is an evil that has this world in its grip. The hearers of Jesus on the mountainside that day would have been thinking, I'm so tired of the fact that Rome has dominance over our nation. I'm so tired that Rome is so oppressive and it's so hard and there's no freedom and there's no life and there's no joy and they are cruel to us and they're, it's terrible to be under their leadership. And there were many who were sitting there on the mountainside and the mourning that was happening in their heart was they were thinking in this world right now, Israel's hope has wavered. Do you remember that before Jesus was born, it had been 400 years before God had spoken to his people. And in that land, there were a lot of people choosing false gods. In that land, there were a lot of people saying, Messiah's never coming. I give 
Why bother with what God says? Why be obedient to the law? Why even care about God? And there were people there on that mountainside who thought, how did our country ever get to a place where we didn't love and trust and believe in God anymore? Does that sound familiar to anyone? Blessed are those who mourn over the grip that evil has on their country, on their world, for they will be comforted. I think about some of the examples of this that the scripture teaches us about when Jesus was born in Luke chapter 2, after he was eight days old and when it was time to come and present an offering for the, the birth of this new child, when they went to the temple, there was a man named Simeon in the temple. Do you guys remember this story? And he had said, Lord, keep me alive until I see your Messiah. Lord, let me live until I see your Messiah. And, and the, the Bible tells us in Luke 2.25, it says this, there was a man named Simeon who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. For Israel to be consoled, which is another word for comforted, because there was mourning. Oh, when is the Messiah going to come? When is the Messiah going to come? When is the Messiah going to come and set us free? When is the Messiah going to come? Things are out of control, God. Things have gone off the tracks a long time ago, God. Can you believe what's going on in our world, God? Can you believe what's going on in our country, God? Can you believe what's accepted as normal, God? Can you believe how people are talking about you, God, or just even bypassing you altogether as if you are not who you are? Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Psalmist in Psalm 119, 136 says this, streams of tears flow from my eyes for your law is not obeyed. Blessed are you who mourn in Murfreesboro, Tennessee when you recognize people ignoring, rejecting God. Blessed are you in Murfreesboro, Tennessee when you grieve that there is such evil holding our city in its grasp. For you will be comforted. And it is good for us to mourn in this way. And we're called blessed when we mourn in this way. It is good for us to grieve over the sins of our fellow citizens. It is good for us to grieve over the fact that our God is great and glorious. And so many people get up and they live every single day without giving God a thought. It is good for us to grieve that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross he did not deserve for a whole lot of guilty people. And nobody seems to care. It is okay and good. You are blessed when you grieve for the evil that has gripped this world. Grieving that our holy and generous God seems to be unworthy of notice by so many. Now there will be some intermediate comfort for us. Here's the intermediate comfort. Comfort. Jesus has died, 
and been raised to life. And now by faith, people can believe in him and he can set them free from the grip of the world. Amen? He can set them free from the grip of sin and, and having sin as a leader, a master, a Lord. He can set them free from being under the grip of sin that leads to destruction. He can open their eyes and he can change their hearts. Jesus can right now take a person who curses God and turn them into one who worship his, worships God. Jesus can change a person's heart who has no thought of the Savior and they can become a passionate disciple of the Savior. That's the immediate comfort for us, that God has made a way through Jesus that if they will just believe, they can be changed. But what about the final comfort? Lord, it seems like this world is just disregarding you. It seems like people are living how they want to live and they're getting away with it and nothing is, seems to be going, you know, in terms of getting their attention or, or causing them to, to feel disciplined from you, Lord. Everybody seems to be ignoring you and getting away with it. Here's the ultimate comfort that is coming, the final comfort that is coming. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells the story of when the Son of Man comes, he will gather all the people and he will separate them as the shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. And he will say, these are the ones who are entering into my rest for eternal life and these are the ones who are going away to eternal darkness and judgment forever. Here's the final ultimate comfort to the grief of evil on this world. Nobody's getting away with anything. Now be on your guard that you do not hope for the judgment on the hearts of men and women. Be on your guard that you never say, get them, God. They don't care about you. French fry them. Zap them. But we can be comforted because God sees, God knows. And he's put into the hearts of his people the opportunity to share Jesus and the way to new life and the way to heaven. It's on our shoulders right now to preach new life in Christ because the day will come when those who believe in him go into everlasting life and those who have ignored him, rejected him, resisted him, thumbed their nose at him, those will go away into everlasting darkness. That's just true. Last and final bit of mourning here in this verse, the last and final idea of mourning that's implied in this verse of Jesus is godly sorrow and regret over personal sin. Godly sorrow and regret over personal sin. What this is referring to is when you are mourning over your own spiritual weaknesses. 
Oh God, I thought I was so strong in this area of temptation. Oh God, I thought I was so strong in this area of discipline, but I just keep failing or I just keep stumbling. Or I just keep face planting. God, w- our own spiritual weaknesses and our wanderings. There are some of us in the room right now who believe in Jesus, but you have been wandering off the main road. You have not been reading his word. You have not been worshiping the Savior. You have not been seeking his heart. You've not been seeking first his kingdom. You have not been praying. You have been doing your own thing and showing up on Sundays as if Jesus were a weekend relationship. And if you find yourself mourning over your own weakness, gosh, I thought I would never do that again, and here I am again. I said it would never happen to me that I would wander off the main road and wander away from walking as a disciple of Jesus with deep passion and love and and discipleship. But here I am. If you have that kind of mourning, for your own spiritual weakness and your own spiritual wanderings. Jesus says you are blessed. That's right where you need to be. It's good to be you. You're all set because you're going to be comforted. Grieving over personal sin is a mourning that happens not because our choices to sin make us guilty unto judgment. Listen very carefully about this. This is important. It's not that as a believer in Jesus, your choices now render you subject to the judgment of God. If you have believed in Jesus, you are fully clean and forgiven and made righteous. You are in no danger of hell if you truly are born again. You are not making choices unto judgment, but this is the thing. You mourn because your choices reveal that you can be ungrateful for the cross. And you mourn because your choices reveal that you are capable of ignoring God. I think of Peter who said to Jesus, look, everybody else is going to deny you, but I won't. I, 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 other people may, may fall away, but I won't. Other people may bail on you, Jesus, but not me. I'm going to be right there all the time. I am in this. I am with you. I am right behind you. I am 100% on board. It'll never happen to me. And then he denied him three times. And in John 21, you have this beautiful restoration picture of a fishing trip and a breakfast on the seashore and Peter and Jesus being restored in that relationship. And what Jesus is inviting you to this morning is that you would mourn over your personal sin, that you would grieve that you are capable of being ungrateful for the freedom Jesus has made possible. That you would grieve that you are capable of knowing what is right and blowing past it, ignoring God. That you would grieve that you are capable of wandering. 
when you get that inward sorrow over your own choices to sin, you're blessed. There are a couple of thoughts here that go along with us. Here's what mourning sounds like in that moment. How could I wander from the one who has been so good to me? Or mourning sounds like, how could I disrespect the one who died for me? I think of a couple of pictures in the Bible of mourning over personal sin. One of them is the prodigal son who returns home to be comforted in the embrace of his father. You know the story? He returns home to be comforted in the embrace of his father. But the mourning over his personal sin did not happen in the embrace of his dad. The mourning happened way back in the pig pen. In the pig pen, he came to his senses and he had this thought, how in the world did I end up here? What am I doing here? I have sinned. This is not the life I want to live. This is not where I want to be. This is not who I'm supposed to be. I'm here eating the leftovers from the pigs and here I am thinking about this. Even the servants in my father's household are so better taken care of than these pigs and I'm kind of scrambling to get their leftovers. How in the world did I get here? And there was deep mourning over his choices, over the squandering of all that he had been given from his father, over the waste and the ridiculous, foolish choices he made. Jesus would say he's blessed. Because in that moment as he mourned, he got up out of that pig pen and he went home. It's another picture in Scripture of someone mourning over their personal sinfulness. It's the Apostle Paul. In Romans chapter 7, he talks about this inner battle going on within him, and all of us can relate to it, right? Paul says, ah! That's my own interpretation. Ah! The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will set me free? In another translation, who will rescue me from this body that leads me to death and consequence and regret? Paul was mourning over his own weakness and his own wandering. And by the way, Paul was aware of it. Be alarmed, dear friends, if you never experience conviction over sin, be greatly alarmed. If you never have this sense of godly regret over your spiritual weaknesses and wanderings, because conviction of sin is one of the indicators that you truly belong to God. There's some immediate comfort for this sorrow for this morning. The intermediate comfort is, is that Jesus has enabled us to receive grace through Jesus. And 
the grace of Jesus, what Jesus paid for on the cross, it absorbs all of our weakness and it absorbs all of our wanderings. Is that good news for anybody this morning? The grace of God absorbs and covers over and includes and encompasses all of our weaknesses and all of our wanderings. And if you think about it, the grace of God perpetuates a godly sorrow over sin. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So I make a choice to ignore what I know is right and go off after sin, and I sin, and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I have godly sorrow for that because I've disrespected the one who died for me and have been so ungrateful to the one who's been so good to me. And I've ignored the one who knows what is right and the best ways to go, and I've chosen my own way. And in that morning, I am comforted with the knowledge of grace. <laughs> Wait a minute. This wandering is paid for. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now I'm standing tall in the confidence of the grace of God and I'm walking forward in my life and then I sin. And I go, I've just betrayed the grace of God. I can't believe I would do this. How could I do this? But wait a minute. The grace of God is covered and paid for this wandering. So I walk tall in grace and then I sin. And I stand tall in grace and then I sin. I stand tall in grace and I sin. And godly sorrow over your own sinfulness keeps the grace of God front and center in your life. Because I don't know about you, but since I believed in Jesus, I've sinned a whole lot. Anybody else? And my hope for standing before God is not that I have earned a position of righteousness, but that I have been given the righteousness of Christ by faith through grace. So grace is our intermediate comfort as we are mindful and grateful for the undeserved cross. But here's the final com comfort that's coming. All of you who mourn over your weak sin battle, <laughs> all of you who mourn over the, the wanderings that come because you, you find yourself sinning when you said it wouldn't happen and you never would, all of you who are weary of the battle with sin, Comfort is coming. If you're mourning, comfort is coming. And here it is. Someday you will shed forever this corrupted body of sin. Someday you will exchange what is corrupted. All of the God-betraying, sin-chasing flesh will be put away. All of the God-betraying, sin-chasing flesh will be put away. So if you are here today mourning the fact that you are spiritually weak, and if you're disappointed in your own track record of wandering, if you're mourning, inwardly sorrowful, blessed are you. For you will be comforted now by the grace of God. And final comfort is coming as you shed the God-betraying, sin-chasing flesh.
You know, I think there's probably no stronger picture of mourning about sin than in the story of Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman. And, and by the way, all four of these things, uh, the loss of a loved one through death, that's related to sin because death only entered the world when the world was corrupted because of sin. God said, when you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Death came in. Disappointment with specific outcomes comes because of sin, because we are corrupted and we don't know how to, to think as God thinks and we are in the grips of sin and people make sinful choices against us and hurt us and all kinds of things. The third one, grieving over the evil that grips the world, that is certainly easy to see how sin is connected there. And then finally, godly sorrow, godly sorrow and regret over our personal sin, that is clear how it relates to sin. But but when you go back and you look at Adam and Eve, there's a moment when I think this godly sorrow and regret is the most poignant. If you go to Genesis 3, toward the very end of that chapter, you find this story after God had told them not to eat and they ate. And after God had pronounced the consequences, at that point, God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden. Can you get that picture for a minute? When I think about that, I think about God herding them, chasing them out of the garden of Eden. You have lost this. You are no longer welcome here. Get out of here. Go on. You're going to have to work for everything. Death is going to be a part of your life and all the consequences that come. Out of here. Let's go. You're done. You had all of this. This was all yours. And you threw it away. And God posted an angel with a sword on the eastern side of the Garden of Eden so that they would not be able to ever come back in. And can you imagine Adam and Eve Standing east of Eden, looking at an angel holding a sword and all that is there in Eden. Can you imagine them thinking about all that they threw away? All that they lost? Through their disobedience. Blessed are those who mourn who are full of inward sorrow because of the way sin has broken this sin and broken your life. You're going to be comforted. And one of the best things for some of you to do this morning is to really be mournful, to be full of holy regret over your choices this week, over your weaknesses and wanderings. And after a moment of doing that before the Lord and having a moment of standing tall in his grace. The book of Romans tells us in chapter five that what happened in Eden has been comforted through Jesus. For just as through one man's sin death and sin entered the world. So also by one man's obedience, grace has entered the world.
Blessed are you who mourn the loss of a loved one. Blessed are you who mourn specific outcomes in your life. Blessed are you who are so weary of the grip of evil on this planet. And blessed are you who are so disappointed in yourself and your weakness and wanderings. Comfort awaits. God loves you. There's no shadow he won't light up. There's no mountain he won't climb up. Coming after you. And Jesus died for all that sin. And he is now our living hope. Hope for reunions with those who've gone on before. Hope for godliness as we resist and reject sin hope for the world. Let's stand up and respond to the Lord this morning by singing this together. Singing not just about Jesus, our living hope, but to Jesus, our living hope.